Patty and I had a fun time this uh, week. <clears throat> With six of these Covenant kids, we took them to the um, Seneca uh, Park where they have lots of Christmas lights and uh, after we got through with the Christmas light display and all, we're headed back this way, you know, and uh, Patty had the, the fun idea. She's the fun one in our family. Hey, let's, let's pull into Wendy's and buy the kids the new Peppermint Kids Frosty, you know. I said, that'll be fun. So I said, okay. So we pulled in Wendy's, um, and <clears throat> you know how that goes. And um, I, rolled, I rolled down all the windows. I said, kids, let's, let's sing, you know, some... Christmas carols to this crowd or whatever. So they were getting their mind ready for that. And the lady comes on the speaker and she says, what do you want? I said, I want six peppermint kids frosties. She says, okay, hold on. You know, it's like she goes back to discuss that to see if we still have that or what. Uh, And then she comes back and she says, do you want anything else with that order? And I said, yes, ma'am, I do. I want one more thing. She says, okay, what's that? I said, tell me your favorite Christmas carol. And she said, excuse me? I said, tell me your favorite Christmas carol. She said, uh, excuse me? And I said, I got six kids ready to sing you a song. Just tell me your favorite Christmas carol. And somebody in the back of Wendy's, you know, not right up against the microphone, somebody behind her said, jingle bells. And I said, hit it, kids. And they just sang out, jingle bells, jingle bells. We got up around to the window to get our Frosties, and they start singing again, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Joy to the World. They opened up the window, and there were three workers inside, and they were so overwhelmed and overtaken by this, they just pushed the Frosties out, says, no charge. These are yours. So those kids can encourage you, can't they? And they encourage many, and they still have a message, and, 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 and you see the power of that. I mean, that... Their witness was worth $8 to me, you know, uh, uh, worth the Frosties. And uh, so I, I enjoyed it. Others enjoyed it. And um, it's, it's, it's a wonderful season where we get to um, share Christ so easily uh, because Christ is surely the reason for the season. Well, I want to just, uh, look at Luke chapter 2 this morning. You can open your Bibles, keep them open there for the most of the, the message. Luke 2, and I'll look at the verses little by little as we go through it. Verses 21 through verse 38. But I wanted to um, just start from with a very popular song. Uh, not that I'm going to sing it. I'm going to get Mary Elizabeth to come back up and sing it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I won't put that kind of pressure on her. On her. But uh, you've heard the song, Grown Up Christmas List. Um, it was written by David Foster, a very popular uh, pianist and uh, uh, writer, along with uh, Linda Thompson, and then I first heard it when Amy Grant came and wrote a final verse to it, and I, so I kind of liked the Amy Grant version, but it goes like this, and it's, it's, it's the scene of somebody growing up, but starting out little on Santa Claus's knee, and where do we go from there? The words are, do you remember me? I sat upon your knee. I wrote to you with childhood fantasies. Well, I'm all grown up now and still need help somehow. I'm not a child, but my heart still can dream. So here's my lifelong wish, my grown-up Christmas list. Not for myself, but for a world in need. No more lives torn apart. That wars would never start. That time would heal all hearts 
Everyone would have a friend, and right would always win, and love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. As children, we believed the grandest sight to see was something lovely wrapped beneath our tree. Well, heaven surely knows that packages and bows can never heal a hurting human soul. No more lives torn apart, that wars would never start. Time would heal all hearts. Everyone would have a friend, and right would always win, and love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. I want us to get our own grown-up Christmas list this morning. It's a wonderful song, because it's a a song that... uh, reminds us we need so much more than just the packages and presents under the tree. Um, And when we grow up, we realize it's not about the packages. It is about so much more. And we long for the so much more. I I thought, what what really should be on my list? What should I long for? And I have chosen to answer that by looking at old wise people in the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 2, we've got grown-ups We've got old people. We've got Mary and Joseph, the father and mother of Jesus, first of all. A righteous carpenter. A virgin woman. They're on the categories, like above us. And they have longings and desires at Christmas I want us to look at. And then um, later on in the story, we have this man named Simeon, who was an old man and a righteous, godly leader in the church who also has these desires at Christmas. And then after him, we have a prophetess named Anna who spent all of her days in the church. And she's also an older woman and her desires are before us. So I want us to see these grown-up Christmas passions and see how we can turn them into uh, true prayers and true longings of our own heart. Made it a little harder for you this morning because I knew you might be sleepy or something. You got to listen to fill in the blanks, right? Uh, but the first, first one I want us to look at, let's look at verses 21 and through 24, the Mary and Joseph kind of store here. And what I want you to see is that they did what they did at Christmas because they understood no more living without God's law as our foundation. They did what they did because they were directed by the law of God. That was the foundation for their activities when Christ was born. Verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification... Notice this, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written, again, in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of two turtle doves um, or two young pigeons. Wouldn't it be great if 
we were a people who again knew exactly what to do at Christmas. Had clear direction because it was written in, in the Bible. And God is directing us and telling us exactly what to do. We don't have questions as to what's the next part uh, for us. So Joseph and Mary, they show up in Bethlehem. They have a baby. It's like, what do we do? Well, they, they turn into their Bibles. They, they just follow Scripture. They didn't have to have read, but they already had this down. Look at Genesis chapter 17 again. They knew exactly what to do according to the law of God. Genesis 17. And there are a number of places we could look, but I just want to give you two verses here and then another one in Luke. Genesis 17. Here's a story of God coming to Abraham for the first time and saying, you're going to be the father of a people. You're going to be the father of the church. You're going to be the father of Israel. Genesis 17, verse 11 and 12 says, And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring. God said, I want a sign. And notice the sign here. Who's the sign between? The sign's between God and us. And circumcision we see in Colossians 2. I won't take the time for that. It's replaced by baptism. But again, it's God's New Testament people being marked out. The sign is still between God and us. The sign is not about me witnessing to you and you witnessing to me. It's not about, it's not a sign between us. The water's gone. I had water on me a minute ago. It's gone. You don't see the sign. Heaven still does. It's the sign between heaven and us. Not a sign between us. So it doesn't matter how, how you're baptized. In, in the sense to say what it's about. If you, if you miss that it's, it's between us and God. God wanted his children marked out. Mary and Joseph knew that. Said the next thing we must do according to the law. Is we must have our child baptized. Back in Luke. Just before Christ. Uh, you know the, the birth of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 59. So John the Baptist uh, is born, verse 59 of Luke 1 says, And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. Why are these godly people doing what they're doing? Because of the law of God. It was understood from the law that God's people mark out their children as belonging to the Lord. And then they raise them, telling them, you belong not only to mom and dad, you belong to the Lord. You must follow the law of God. And the law of God was always before them. Uh, and it changed the life that they, le they led. Think about our world today. It seems we're falling, always falling into trouble and tragedy and calamity and storm. It, 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 I get the, the, the picture that the Ameri general American today is like a, like a boat on the waves. 
just bouncing without a sail to propel us, without a rudder to guide us. We're just bouncing around, going to sink at any moment. Wouldn't it be great if we had a foundation to rest upon? We had a rudder, which was the law of God, to truly direct and to guide us. Just think through that. You're people that for our last year here, we've been learning the law of God, the ten com- this summary, the Ten Commandments. We've got two more to come, eight, uh, the Ninth and Tenth Commandment. But as we've been memorizing them, just think, what if our world knew those commands? And that was what directed us. And so money would not be our God. Money would not be our idol, what we run after. The first two commandments, we would have no other God but the true God. We'd be directed in the second commandment to please Him. Not our own hearts and passions from money. Third commandment, our speech would be so much sweeter. We wouldn't be falling into this decay of speech that we hear everywhere we go now. But we would speak well of God and to God and for God. The third commandment. The fourth commandment. Can you imagine what it would be like if every American had a day of delight in God? They remembered the Sabbath. They kept it special and holy. And they got grounded On the first day of every week in God. Fifth commandment. It would be a a nation where we honor parents. Imagine that. Instead of parents getting presents for kids. A nation that gives honor to parents and parents to the Lord. And households. Being run according to his word. Marriages being preserved to train up the next generation. Getting on into the sixth commandment. That we begin to be a people that respect the image of God in man and want to preserve life. We don't want murder. We don't want destruction. We don't want to bring people down. But we want to show people respect. What if we were a nation... That had no adultery. We didn't treat one another as objects. But saw weddings to image Christ's love for his church. Eighth commandment. We respected everybody's private property. So we're not going to steal it. It's yours. God gave it to you. You need to be a steward. And we help people with their private property. Not ours. Ninth commandment, what if we were a nation where there was no fake news, there was no lying? People were passionate for the truth. And then tenth commandment, what if we were content with what God gave us? We didn't have to be like you. We would not covet what you've got. We would just use what God has blessed us with. That's no more living without God's law As our foundation. That's my grown up. Christmas list. I think that's what you see. From the grown ups in the Bible. Is that the law of God. Directed them. 
You all know the story of the house built on the sand and the house built on the rock, right? Even if you don't know it, if you build a house on the sand, it's not going to last it when the storms come. The waters and the winds are going to shift the sands and you're going to move that house. But the house built on the rock lasts. The rock is the law of God. That's the foundation that works. That's the foundation that's lost in our country. Praise God, New Covenant Church is, is a rare exception. And maybe it will start with us and spread throughout our land. When people begin to see the blessings again of knowing what to do because we have God's word as our foundation. It's where we stand. It's where we rock, walk. It's, it's where we, we move and breathe and have our being. That's the longing of a grown-up Christmas list. I want a, a life that's grounded, that's firm. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word in the law of God. Second on this grown-up Christmas list is hearts that are bursting. The text really says, I've, I think I was using an old text, hearts that are bursting or waiting. We'll see waiting in the text. Waiting for the consolation and redemption. There, look at there. We can cheat now. We got the words. Consolation and redemption that comes through Jesus alone. Look at the text, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. And here's the word, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And then in verse 38... And this is the story of Anna. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. We have two saints here, Simeon and Anna, that are waiting. And you get the word waiting in the sense that they were longing for. And they were longing for consolation that comes through Christ or comfort. And they were longing for redemption that comes through Christ. What would it be like if, if that's what we really wanted? We wanted the comfort and the redemption that comes through Christ. Two terms are used here, Israel and Jerusalem. Those are just two Old Testament text terms primarily that always point us back to the people of God, to the national church, to the, the Jewish church that God chose first. These people, they had been told of a Messiah. They had been told one day redemption will come. One day there will be an escape. One day there will be a heaven that you can gain through Christ. And they were longing for it. They were waiting for it. The wise men had been studying for it. They knew when it was about to happen. There were smart church folks that were saying, I think I know the signs. And they were always looking for it. Um, you know, what do we look for? You hear the talk. The talk is that we look for a good night's rest. You know, most of the time. And that we sometimes don't get much deeper than that. And we look for all kinds of things to give us that, that rest, whether it's a pill or a drug or exercise or food or drink or something. Uh, but 
these folks, is, is what characterized their life was they were longing for. I wonder if our kids, our next generation, know that we, we, we want more than other things comfort and redemption in Christ. And we want it for our nation. We want it for our church. We want it for our neighbors. We want it for the people at the drive through We want them to have comfort and peace, redemption that only comes to us through Christ. Uh, you know, instead of longing for just a present under the tree, what if we were really longing for God's comfort, and God's redemption, that it would show up, that Jesus would show up in our house and change our marriages and change our homes and it would bring comfort and he would bring peace and these things that are crumbling and hurting us would be redeemed and it would be because things were turned over to Christ instead of us trying to do them in our own strength you know John 14 Jesus told the disciples as he left he says don't let your hearts be troubled Don't let your hearts be troubled. Do you know where I'm going? They said, we're not sure we get this. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going to prepare, I'm coming to get you and take you there. It's going to be a place of consolation. It's going to be a place of true redemption. There are many dwelling places in my Father's heaven. And I'm preparing them for you. Don't let your heart be troubled. You've longed for consolation. You've longed for redemption. And it's closer this week than it's ever been. Read an article this morning and made me think, what if this were your last Christmas? And what if you didn't even make it to the present under the tree? And then just think about that present sitting there. You know, if the present's not opened, it just kind of seems worthless, doesn't it? We don't know when our last pres present is. We don't know when our last Christmas is. This, this could be it. And somebody could, that doesn't know, get us a present next year, and it just sits there, unopened, because we've already had our last Christmas. What if Christ were to give us a present himself give us himself and we don't receive him do you see the foolishness of that and we live in a land that doesn't want to receive comfort and redemption really let's put that on our list to pray for the consolation and redemption of america the consolation and redemption of our land, our people, our neighborhood. Because the gift is before them and they don't receive it. They don't open it. And they're missing the joy that could be theirs. You know, this Christmas list, why I like that first song I shared with you, was because you see from grown-ups that they're not putting on the list stuff for them. It's for a world in need. It's, you put on the list, what can we serve and give to those in need? 
And both of these things, the world needs a foundation. And that foundation is the law of God. The world needs the consolation and redemption that's only found in Christ. We need to long for that and pray for that. Number three on the list. You might not have ever heard these terms. I've never preached these terms before. I'm, making, I'm not making them up. They're in the text. But I want you to see something maybe you've never seen. And that is, I'm praying for spirit, ears, eyes, hands, and mouth. Okay? Have you ever prayed for that? I bet you haven't. I want you to think about praying that God would give you spirit ears, spirit eyes, spirit hands, a spirit mouth. Let's look at the, the life of Simeon, verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit, this is the first time we're seeing the Spirit here, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought him in, the child Jesus, uh, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. And he said, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. I want you to see something here. It just, it just really caught me. Different phrases um, about Simeon. He is in the Spirit. The Spirit is upon him. He's coming uh, by the Spirit. Uh, it was revealed to him by the Spirit. You, the more you just kind of meditate on this, first thought, I said, God, Simeon and, and the Spirit have got something going on. He doesn't do anything apart from the Spirit. The Spirit's upon him. The Spirit is leading him. The Spirit enables him to see what God had prepared, the Spirit allows him to hear the truth of the prophets. The Spirit allows him to pick up Jesus in his arms, embrace him. His hands are Spirit-led. And his mouth begins to praise and talk of Jesus because of the Spirit. The Spirit was in him, on him, working through him. I want us to see uh, the need for the Spirit. Patty and I, uh, when we were in college, we uh, ministered a couple of churches. And, and one was uh, a place where we spent a lot of time, did a lot of discipleship, and the church was really uh, moving forward, um, relocating, being planted, and uh, a lot of good things were happening. Years later, we said, well, let's go back and check on that church, see how they're doing. Uh, and so we went and didn't tell anybody we were coming, just showed up, you know, um, to their new place, went in, and it was just quiet, nothing was happening, singing was very slow and dull, and nobody seemed to care, they were just looking around, blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. 
And then we walked out the door, and we both, when we got to the outside, we just kind of both looked at each other and said, the Spirit has left this place. And it was so sad. Have you ever been in a place like that? You just like, there just doesn't seem to be anything of God here. What happened? How is it there's no Spirit? And sometimes we don't think about or talk about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and our need for the Spirit in our lives. I want, I want to show you three passages of Scripture real quick uh, of our need for the Spirit. Look at John 16, verses 13 and 15, through 15. John 16. This is Jesus speaking of time of Him leaving earth and sending the Spirit. John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15 say, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You see how important it is you have the Spirit. Without the Spirit here, you can't hear of Jesus. You need Spirit ears. The Spirit will not only give you that, he will speak to you and you will hear him. And what you will hear is him glorifying Jesus the Holy Spirit never glorifies Himself. If you talk too much of the Holy Spirit, you got it wrong. In, if, in other words, if you're glorifying the Spirit. But if you're glorifying Christ, it's because you've got the Spirit. The Spirit's job is to help us know of Christ and glorify Christ. The Spirit is... If, if you're not glorifying Christ, you probably don't have the Spirit in your life. Look at uh, John 15. So go back a, a chapter. Last few verses of John 15, verse 26, 27. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also bear witness, because you've been with me from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit is the one always teaching us of Christ, bearing witness of Christ. He's called the Spirit of truth. He always guides us in the truth. If you and I disagree, one of us is wrong or both of us is wrong. Because if we have the Spirit, the Spirit only leads one direction. It's the way of truth. The Spirit must guide us. The Spirit must lead us. We need to be depending upon the Spirit to take us into truth. We can't keep the law without the Spirit Simeon was a man, the Spirit was upon him. Would people say that about you? Would they say that about me when I'm gone? So, well, one thing I do know about David, the Spirit was upon him. The Spirit was in him. The Spirit was always working through him. See, I want to be Spirit-led. We need men, women, boys, and girls that have Spirit ears. Spirit eyes can see Christ can know truth, can praise and glorify Christ. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Ephesians 5, verse 16. Here's our responsibility. 
Well, I know I'm close, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. There we go. Uh, 18, there it is. <clears throat> and do not get drunk with wine, that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The analogy here is the same way we eat and drink, we need to take in the Spirit of God. There's times where you get filled up with drink or filled up with food. And he says, what I want is you to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. Do you ever wake and say, God, fill me. Just fill me. Fill me up with your Spirit. I want to hear you now. I want to be useful for a change. I want to speak to somebody of you. I want to glorify you. I want to, I want to be radically spirit-controlled. We need Simeon's. Lord, make me like Simeon, where the spirit rests upon him. Uh, some, so many think, times we think the problem is we just need balance. You know, we're on this uh, continu- uh, continuum where there's death and destruction or there's life and joy and we're always teeter-totter and people just say we need balance, we need balance. I say, no, what we need is the Spirit. We need to be controlled by God's Spirit, full of God's Spirit that takes us into truth and forces us to glorify and honor Christ. Um, Do you ever, I confess, I forget which song it was we were singing, the first or second song. And since I was meditating on this this morning, I said, Spirit moved me to sing this song. You know, my mind's not really in it. And do you ever say, Spirit, fill me. I need, I need power from on high. I need to be spirit-controlled. I need to be spirit-led. Do you ever come to church and say, God, fill me. I want to feel Jesus. I want to embrace Him. I want to see Him high and lifted up. I want hearts to be full of Him. Fill me, Lord. Do you ever come to a time of worship and just say, God, could I have today a, a, a moment of just reckless abandon where it's just all about Christ? And not about me. What is of flesh is flesh. But what is of spirit is spirit. And I want more spirit and less flesh. And that's what Simeon had. And that's what thrilled him when he saw Christ. The spirit was upon him. The spirit changed him. You must be born again of spirit or you will not see or enter into the kingdom of God. See your need. If you, if, 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 if you say, David, I struggle with, with ever talking about Christ. I struggle with, you know, just a reckless abandon of worship. I struggle with that. I struggle with hearing God. You got a spiritual disconnect. I was reading in my devotional time this morning. I'm finishing up going through the Bible. So I was in the book of Revelation. And it hit me for the first time. The last phrase said to all the churches, 
You remember in, in Revelation 2 and 3 where God's talking to the church at Ephesus and the church at Smyrna, church at Thyatira, and church at Pergamon, all those churches, seven churches. And he says, well, how does he end each church? He says, he who has ears to hear, what? Hear what the Spirit, the Spirit says to the churches. Churches that are struggling, churches that have problems, are churches that are, don't have ears to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So if you're struggling with these things of being the church, being Christ's ambassador, being who God has called you to be, there's a spiritual disconnect. You don't see it in Simeon. And that's what I long for as a Christmas list. Lord, I want to see me. I want to see more in your churches. Those who are full of your spirit, empowered by your spirit. They can see because of the spirit. They teach with the spirit. They embrace Christ and glorify Christ because of the spirit. Number four, salvation is seen as divinely prepared for Jew and Gentile. You've already got a hint of this. You see it easily in verse 30 through 32. It says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. God owns it. We don't save ourselves. He saves people. That you have prepared salvation, something that's divinely prepared in the presence. Now we have a, a term, all peoples. And all peoples is defined for us in the next two phrases. A light, of light for revelation to the Gentiles, that's one kind of people, and for the glory to your people Israel, another kind of people. So in other words, the Jew, the Jew and the Gentile, or the Gentiles and Israel, Israel a representative term for Jew, Jew and Gentile are defining all people. In other words, all people groups. Many of the Jews were expecting the Messiah to come and start a uh, reformation of the national church, just the Jewish church, the Jewish people. And from the Old Testament all the way through the New, they just missed this. But even here it's saying, Christ is not just coming to save Jews. He's not just coming to save Israel and re revisit Israel, who've been in exile for 500, 600 years now. But he's also coming to Gentiles. And that's a big deal. Because it means redemption comes to us. And not just to them. But it's also something important for us to see. Because a lot of people want to make Israel the only people Christ has come for. Or come to. Or come to primarily. That he comes and saves them by grace. And the rest of us have to work for it. And that creates a whole work salvation system. Where we think we have to earn his favor. And earn being his special people. But that's not what the scripture is teaching. The scripture is teaching Christ came for, for the nations. For the Gentiles. As well as for the Jew. Now it's an interesting phrase here. Uh, it says uh, salvation you have prepared in the presence. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 5 through 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Here's some of the. Preparation language again. Hebrews 10. Verse 
beginning at verse 5. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, and so you, you can imagine this, you, you know, again, God's letting us get an inside look, even as an infant, even as a baby in the womb, even as his first breath, he's crying as he's burst. He's also saying on a heavenly level these words. When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you've not desired. He's speaking to God the Father. But a body you've prepared for me. So this is God taking on flesh. Bam, out of the womb. Says, this body didn't just happen. This was a divine preparation that others have seen. In burnt offerings and in sin offerings, you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. A great theme of Christ. Not, your will, not my will, Father, but your will be done. I've come to do your will. As it is written of me in the scroll of the book, when he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in the sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, so that's ceremonial law. Then he added, Behold, I've come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Christ's body was prepared to be a sacrifice. And Jesus says, I understand this. I'm here taking on flesh to do what the ceremonial law was pointing towards but couldn't fulfill. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to do your will, O oh God. And that is to die on a cross, to give up my life for my people. And my people, this body is prepared for Jew and Gentiles. It's a divine preparation, a divine sacrifice to satisfy the wrath and justice of God. That's why Christ came. That's what Simeon was praying for, looking for. And he, when he saw Jesus, he said, this is the body. That has been divinely prepared. This is the one who will lay down his life for me. And not just for me. But for Israel. For Gentiles. And he excited him. And he gave praise. And he glorified Christ. Because Christ had, had come as his redeemer. The preparation then took 33 more years of perfect righteousness on Christ's part. So he's born according to the law. And then he kept the law and kept the law and kept the law. He even comes to John the Baptist and says, you need to baptize and anoint me so that the, the law of God can be fulfilled. He says, so that we can fulfill all righteousness. Because he knew he could not go to the cross and be a perfect substitute for us unless he was a righteous substitute for us. So the body was prepared to perfectly keep the law of God. And Christ did so. And then was able to die as our perfect substitute. And God gives all credit to Christ. The praise is to Christ. The salvation is prepared by God. Christ does the sacrifice for us. Salvation is not us. I, one day I got saved. No, I, I didn't do anything. One day God 
chose me. One day God came from heaven and found me. One day God snatched me up. One day God gave me a new heart. Pray for a divine salvation. We're living in a world right now, they're calling it deconstruction of faith. Well, that faith was created by you. If you could just throw it off. You can just deconstruct it. But the faith that's divinely prepared gets a hold of us. The Spirit comes into us. We're born again to believe in Christ and to trust Christ alone. And none of us trust nothing of us but all of Him. That's the kind of salvation I need. That's the kind of salvation my neighborhood needs. That's the kind of salvation America needs. Is a salvation divinely prepared for Jew and Gentile alike. A salvation that goes to every ethnic group because those are the people who are surrounding the throne in heaven. It's every nation, every tribe. And none of us have this special credit given to us for what we have done. Um, number five, let me move on to the last one. Everyone marveling at and being overwhelmed. This, I want to see quickly. Well, you got time, right? It's, we're not doing the subject class. Come on. Y'all be with me. You got time. All right. I want you to see quickly. I'll be as fast as I can. Verse 33, 38, Anna, because I love her description. She's not spoken of much. Um, let me read it to you, the story of Anna, beginning at verse 33. His father and his mother marveled. First of all, you see in Joseph and Mary, they marveled. That was my word up there, marveling. They marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign that's opposed, and a sword will pierce through his own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years. That means she's old, okay? It's going to tell us how old she was. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna, just like Simeon, was not, and just like Joseph and Mary, they were marveling. And then at some point, it's like they're overwhelmed. When you stop and, and meditate on who Christ is and what he really has come to do and what he has done, you, you move from marveling to being overwhelmed. And it's just unbelievable all Christ has done, would do for us. Uh, so they were impressed with Christ. We sometimes just get impressed with trinkets and toys and gadgets and trees and Santa. My longing is, though that's okay to be impressed with those things, that we marvel at Christ. It's one of my, my prayers. I know I need it badly to communicate it to you and just say, God, let me be overwhelmed today 
when I open your word and, and, and start to read, let me be overwhelmed with you, with your love, with your speech, with your direction. Let me be overwhelmed with Christ. Let me be filled with your spirit. That's what's happening. Uh, and uh, there's two groups men mentioned here. It says the rising of many in Israel, that, that Christ is going to come. Uh, the child is appointed, verse 34, for the fall and the rising of many uh, in Israel and for a sign that's opposed, a sword that pierces. Uh, there's no neutrality here. When Christ shows up, you're either with him or you're against him. You're either filled with his spirit and transformed to be Christ-like or you're not. There's a rise. We who are in Christ rise to heaven, there's a fall. Those who are not in Christ fall into the pits of hell and torment for eternity. There's no neutrality. Christ comes to divide the earth into heaven and hell participants. And it's stated at his birth. You can't just say, well, I don't believe. It doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Your destiny is determined by what you think of Christ. Do you believe Him to be our Lord and our Savior? There's only these two groups. Um, and Christ changes everything. Well, Anna's overwhelmed with it. When she finally sees Him, she's overwhelmed. Now, she was a person that said, was always in church. She did not depart from the temple. I think that's hyperbole. Um, I don't think there would be anything wrong with her getting a cot and, and living there, but I'm not sure she got a cot and lived there. If it's hyperbole, it's just like we would say, every time I'm at church, Anna's there. Anna's always at the church. Anna must be living at the church. You know, all of that's hyperbole. Anna's never not at the church. And that's, I think, the language here that she was known as someone who was obsessed with worshiping Christ. And so that when she finally saw him, it's like she just falls back, overwhelmed with how glorious it is that God would let her see him. This body that was prepared for her redemption. It overwhelmed her. And it should overwhelm us. And you see her doing three things uh, quickly. Uh, she, she's worshiping him at the end of verse 37. With fasting and prayer day and night. And she's coming up that very hour. And, and it's continuing. Uh, and she says not only her. But all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Everybody who had the knowledge that the Messiah was coming. These Jews had that knowledge. He says all of them were waiting for this. And because they were waiting for it. Their activities were worship. Prayer with fasting, truly devoted, and then praise, talking of Christ and to Christ. Now, the reason I want us to get it, because I've run into, as I've gotten uh, a little bit older, you know, I'm kind of middle-aged now. I'm running into these people who are telling me, I don't know why God has left me on this earth. I've done what I need to do, and I'm still here. Why has God left me here? 
What does the scripture say about these old folks? Anna is 84. You go to the book of Psalms, it talks about your advanced in age uses the same phrase, if you're 70. So I'm going to define old as somewhere near 70 and beyond, okay? And it says these people who get it do three things that are absolutely essential to living. The chief end of man is to glorify God. They're glorifying God. They spend their days, day and night, Anna, was glorifying God. She was worshiping. And God saw that significant enough to write it down for us. This is a significant action. Something she is on earth to do. Second, she's in prayer. She's devoted to prayer with fasting. I'll give up eating just to pray. God saw that as significant. And then she's worshiping. She is speaking in her worship. She's speaking of Christ, speaking to Christ. So if you're an old person here, I've already told you how old you have to be to make the, the cut. Three things you still have that are significant. They are of huge value. If you're a young person, you could be like Anna and start there and, and take it the rest of your life, always doing something of value and significance. And that's worship. That's glorifying God. That's praying. And that's speaking about, talking about God among all the people you know. And that's what Anna was doing. And that's what I mean by being... You're, you, you commend what you cherish. If you cherish football, you're going to talk about it all day long. You commend what you cherish. If you cherish Christ, you marvel at Him. You're overwhelmed by Him. And you're going to talk about it. You're going to pray to Him. You're going to pray for others. You're going to worship. And you're going to adore Him. Well, that's what I long for, for you, for our nation. I don't want to just leave you with a song. I don't want to just leave you with uh, a list. I want us to be transformed by Christ. I want us to be so transformed. His law is our God. It's our foundation. It's our direction. I want us to be so transformed by Christ. And we want that for others. Comfort and redemption for those around us. I want us to be so transformed. His spirit is constantly speaking to us. And saying, David, get back into the text. David, get back into the song. David, get back into worship. You're getting distracted here. Hear what the spirit says. And get focused again. Where you need to be focused. Listen, embrace Jesus. And share Jesus. Marvel that you have been given what's been divinely prepared. Divinely prepared gift for your salvation. Be so overwhelmed that it transforms you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for 
given us the real life examples of saints before us who long for Christ. We repent this morning. We've longed for many trivial things that will be broken by the end of the week perhaps. And not long near enough for what's eternal. Not longed enough for Christ. More of Him and less of me. Father, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would get us devoted again to your word, to knowing it, to letting it rule us. Be our ruler, O Christ. Come and reign in our hearts. Give us prayers for a world in need, people that are hurting. Maybe even when we hear babies cry out, let us think of a world crying out in desperation in need of more than they have since they have not Christ. And Father, let us skip a meal to pray for them, to care for their souls. Father, transform us. May we be a church that has impact across the land. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.